everyone, welcome to the Empower Women series of August, and I'm here today with Jody Comins. And uh, Jody is actually uh, something that I have never, uh, it's a title that I have never spoken to, which is a family mediator. Um, I am super excited for you to be here. I have so many questions, and the topic on this month was effective communication. I am terrible at it. I mean, I just want to put this out there before, and I know I'm running a podcast, but I am terrible and I have a lot of um, uh, things I want to improve in the way I communicate. So I have to ask you, were you excellent at this or bad at this that you decided, you know what, I want to make this off a living? <laughs> Good question. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I had a great session with about 18 women over yeah. lunch at the Empower Women series. And I am a divorce and family mediator. <sighs> and it's a second career for me. So I came from the social work nonprofit world. And it was less about whether I was good or bad at communication and more about my work life harmony getting unharmonious because my husband got a job in Boston. We live in Framingham. I had one daughter at school in Waltham, one in Framingham, and I, I worked in Newton. And it just was too hard to balance all the things that I needed to do since Mike was on the train commuting to work. He couldn't help with a kid or shopping or cooking or any of the things that he had done prior to that job. So I took a leap of faith, left that position, thought about being an event planner, and ultimately decided that I didn't have both feet in and I needed to do something else that was more in line with the social work background. And I took a course in divorce mediation, which was geared towards mental health professionals. So we learned a lot about the law and also what else we need to do to really be a neutral mediator. Mm -hmm. I was, um, every time I hear the term divorce mediator, I always feel that oh, I wish they should have engaged this kind of service before <laughs> because it's usually something that could be mediated before you get into the divorce. Is that like, I don't like your assessment as well? Yeah, that's true. There's actually some marriage mediation that I do okay. and sometimes I'm doing it throughout the divorce process. So okay. if a couple is still living in the same home, mediating how they're communicating with each other yeah. is really important. I think the therapist's job is to try to help them stay together if that's what they yeah. want. And then the mediation is really a better alternative to lawyering up. And there's nothing wrong with lawyers, but lawyers' job is to zealously represent their own client. And yeah. so if each party hires their own attorney, those lawyers are duking out the marriage and the divorce. And I a see. mediator, my job is to help them decide how to move forward in the 26 things you need to divide when you're getting a divorce. Most of them are legal assets, liabilities, and if you have kids, those are the hardest things to divide. Um, before I get into my serious questions that I have today, I have to ask you, do you notice that people when talking to you, they change the way they speak? <laughs> Uh, maybe sometimes, given the talk that I just did all about effective uh, communication. Oh my God, I was so nervous. I was like, I literally asked all these questions. Is like, tell me what she said about the nonverbal communication that I had to be careful, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, like the phone and all that kind of stuff. So like, my phone is away. Like, I try to make everything clean in front of me. <laughs> I was just drinking water. I was making sure like to still look at you while I was grabbing the water. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if like your family feels the same way or or... I mean, it's just a question, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. And I, I said to everybody there, I practice this as much as I practice yoga. No, I can cool. be an expert to teach it. That doesn't mean I'm really good at it in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. 
Two years ago, I was presenting, I was a keynote speaker out in Denver for a women's group called Polka Dot Powerhouse, and I wanted cool. to start with a story. I'd seen B'nai Brown and Michelle Obama the week before, and I thought, everybody starts with a story. What's my story? Mm-hmm. So I woke up that morning. My daughter called me from Miami, where she goes to college, and I don't remember what the issue was, but I kept trying to solve the problem. And she finally said, Mommy, can you just shut up and listen to me like you're always teaching other people to do? And wow. there, there was my story. I got told by my 18-year-old daughter that I wasn't doing a good job listening to her. And here I was about to go teach 300 people how to be a good listener. Oh, man. So I'm scratching my next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to say something. Um, you, you touched on a couple of topics today that um, I tend to um, be very aware on myself. That doesn't mean I'm good added i just at least know oh damn i messed up on that or oh i should have done better one is the nonverbal communication um you do you did throw a statistic today that around 80 percent of communication is the nonverbal communication i want to talk about that for a second um and i know there was probably not a lot of time to talk about that in today's session but it's a topic that i would like to expand because we all have nonverbal communication there's a little bit we can do to improve and it says a lot about how the other person will receive uh, or be attentive to your own message after you respond. Um, what are the main things that we need to be paying attention regarding nonverbal? If it's in person. Right. So if it's in person, it's all about your body language. So okay. I learned in social work school that each one of us has sort of, Jordy just put his shoulders back. Yeah, he's showing me that he's listening. Well, I'm sitting on a ball. It's kind of hard. Like, oh, you are sitting on a ball. Yeah, Look it's just that. bouncing. How come yeah. I didn't get a ball to sit on? Uh, we can switch. <laughs> <laughs> so in grad school, I learned about having a tell like in poker, like something that gives you away. So I figured out that when I was asking a client a difficult question, I would tuck my hair behind my ear. And so they didn't, they maybe noticed, but I became aware of it, so I stopped doing it. Okay. So I had to figure out a different way just to hold my hands in my lap or do something. So back to your question yeah. about how do you know someone's paying attention or not yeah. paying attention? We did a little practice exercise today where two people got to get up and one person welcomed the other one in a positive way hmm. to Empower Women series. And then they switched it and they had to welcome them in a negative way. So the negative way included being on their phone, sort of scrolling through, not looking in the eye, not paying attention, like, oh, thanks for coming, but sorry, I'm really just disinterested in you. Yeah. And one of the things I try really hard to do is if someone's talking to me and I have my phone out is to say, you know what, hold on, let me just finish this thought. And I'll be back with and you. Then, you know, and then I'll close my phone, put it away, put it down, put it face down. Yeah. Same with my computer. So You did mention two things in that, in that particular comment uh, and the one before, which was one is know what your mannerisms are when you are getting into a tough conversation. Um, I would say maybe like around four or five years ago, we got this advice from somebody, an expert in communication. And, um, and it was about making sure your hands are in a position before you start the tough conversation or the tough situation. And we decided to like have legs crossed, hands in front, holding each other. So you wouldn't have to like raise your hand or figuring out when you're nervous and be aware where your hands are. If you knew they were in a starting position, that would be like it. And it also shows to the other person that you're calm through this tough situation. And obviously, we go through a lot of different difficult conversations with our clients, right. and this becomes a really important thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
the other one about not paying attention uh, because you can be distracted by a phone or a computer, it's so common in the office setting. And I think what you just said is something that tomorrow can be done by a lot of people, which is, I am not paying attention to you right now. Give me one minute and you'll have my undivided attention, right? And that's the key word, like undivided attention. Right. And that's our society. So I think in the first instance, the advice he gave you was to hold a neutral position in your body. Because there are power positions. There's... You know, people who are smaller in stature, you've heard of the Napoleon complex, so they will lean back. I want to stay near the microphone, but they lean back, open their knees, hand in pants, shoulders back. Yeah. You know, it's like a power position. Yeah. Women stand, you know, legs spread a little bit. When they're standing, arms on hips can be a power position. Mm -hmm. And what you describe is more of neutral. So our body language is really important. And, you know, I haven't studied a whole lot about it, but we're sending micro cues to people Based on what we do, like right now, you and I are talking to microphones, but we're looking at each other, right? Um, Well, I'm looking at a microphone covering half of your face, but yes. (laughs) I have a bigger microphone than you. (laughs) So uh, the other piece is it is really important, not just in an office setting, but a home setting with kids, with spouses, with partners, with friends, that how are we paying attention to each other? And when smartphones first came out and people were getting text messages... I started to feel really ignored by the people I was with because they're texting other people. Yeah. So I felt less important. You're with me and yet you're texting that person. Yeah. It's become very commonplace now. And when my kids got phones, they're 17 and 20 now, so it's been a while. I coached them. Just because someone texts you doesn't mean you have to be available to answer. Yeah. It's a, I faced the same situation with my parents, actually. Uh, my parents probably came later to the technology era than me, but that's just like almost a decade ago I would say um, they feel the urge to respond more than honestly me and my sister or my girlfriend Uh, it's they as soon as they get a text message I see their attention going away from whatever we're doing to respond to this person that it's away and it's probably just sending a meme sorry mom I'm just like completely just (laughs) (laughs) saying everything you do here but it's true and what you just said is like it's not an instant response needed Mm -hmm. so focus on who you are at the moment it's so funny all these conversations usually tend to come back to awareness yeah yeah somebody said that in the thing yeah she said it's about awareness so when i was a kid i'm a middle child and i have a younger sister and i was pretty mean to her and my dad said to me listen think twice before you speak once yeah Think twice. I sometimes have to think three or four times before I say what I'm going to say. Because mm-hmm. if you heard what was in my head, it's not always nice. It's just our thoughts. It's what yeah. comes up from what we see, what we see on TV, other places. So being aware of what we're going to say using a filter to yeah. make sure it's appropriate. Because how many times do I want to make a joke where it's not appropriate to make a joke? But that's my reflex. Yeah. Um, I would say some time ago, we hired another consultant <laughs> that we were using for... Uh, our internal management team here as we were developing new areas and growing and that causes friction right and he taught us uh, this effective communication exercise that i don't know if i made a mistake or i shouldn't have done it but i definitely brought it to my personal life and i uh, tested it with my ex-girlfriend now and it was about not everything that you think you said is how everybody else received it. Mm-hmm. So there's this exercise of like confirming back and forth. 
and it was fascinating. I don't know if you have ever heard of this, and I totally encourage people to do this, which was when there's a tense and emotional situation and you know it's emotional and tense, you say whatever you're saying. For example, I think you've been taking advantage of me giving you all my time the last few weeks. The other person has to respond exactly what you just said. And you it's it's so funny, you instantly realize that they just can't most of the time. And then you have to confirm that what the other person is repeating after you is exactly what you meant to say. You can go for hours on this and sometimes don't come to an agreement that that is exactly what you're trying to say. But it doesn't happen often. Like So what happens is we just say stuff and you assume that was said and you assume that was understood. And in reality, most of the time in an emotional situation, the person is already thinking of the response before you finish the sentence. We talked about that today. Oh, so tell me about it. Well, we did an exercise called listening for listening. Oh, and it's yeah. where we try that was to... my next question. Okay, good. We try to clear our minds of what we're thinking about when someone's talking to us. Because, of yeah. course, when you're talking, my brain is going to all the things that it reminds me of. A story, yeah. something I want to share with you. So I have to push it out, just like in yoga, sort of clear the mind. Yeah. And so what I allowed people to do is that the listener could do an mm-hmm or an okay, but they couldn't ask clarifying questions and they definitely couldn't talk about themselves. And then we yeah. talk. And we'll get into the narcissistic conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's in another a one. Yeah. yeah. So in this one, it's just listening for listening. And so uh, the feedback that came back was that Christine said she was able to elicit more from the person who was talking. I think it was Susie because she wasn't interrupting her. So Susie was able to get a little bit deeper into what she wanted to say. And someone else who was listening said that it was hard not to put in a response. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but sometimes just listening is really helpful. So I don't know the exercise you're talking about, but I do know that... I lost my chain of thought. I don't know the exercise you're talking about, but I do know that there are ways of... Confirming like the message got through. Yeah. Yeah. And also we hear what we hear. I'm 51 years old. I hear 51 years worth of experience when my mother talks to me. Yeah. So my mother can just say, you look nice today. Yeah. And I hear all the back of like, does yeah. she really mean nice? Do I look nice? Yeah. Do I look nicer? Do I not look as nice? And that's in mediation. My job in what I'm good at is holding the space for couples to talk to each other. And in a way, I'm an interpreter. Yeah. Because if one says something and the other one reacts really strong, I'm the third party neutral who can say, so I know you have a history and what you think you heard was this, but what I heard because I don't have the history is the other thing. I see, especially in mediation, I'm assuming it's like these people that know each other for all their lives. And I mean, it happens to everybody, right? Like sometimes you don't even have to say a word and the other person already knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is, can be is, negative too. It can be the absolutely. look on your face while I'm talking and you're looking at me and I'd say, well, Jordy, why are you looking at me like that? Yeah. And you might just have a resting bitch face. Sorry, you probably well, can't put you. that on the radio. I, I, that's the first time I've been called that in my own podcast, but thank you so much. I don't think you do. I'm I don't think kidding. you do. But I think that sometimes people have a look on their face, and if you have experience and you're married to them, you you're think right. they're giving you the evil eye, yeah, and yeah. they're just listening or waiting for their turn to talk or anything. Mm-hmm. So do we you can, know my sister? No, but we misinterpret things. Yeah. And that's why sometimes people don't do as well on the phone or texting, because you're missing nuances, right? So on the phone... 
you're not looking at each other and texting, you're definitely, my sister and I had something on the text message the other day and she said, why are you annoyed? I said, I'm not annoyed at all. Let's call each other because this, this communication method isn't working for us right now. I actually was going to ask you about that as towards the end of the, the questions I had today, which is how much do you think technology has affected communication in a detriment? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I mean, I have no research on it, but I yeah. know just from being my age and and seeing technology come into our lives that there are families sitting around a dinner table in restaurants and they're all on their devices. We're not allowed to do that in my family. Way back when, even the home phone, we, we still don't answer it during dinner. There are sacred times that you just shouldn't be yeah. on your device talking to other people. So I think it's gotten in the way of a lot of people's day-to-day communication. I think kids aren't able to socialize in the same way. Yeah. A lot of them use technology to socialize. And so maybe that's good for some people and worse for others. We definitely heard somebody in, uh, I'm trying to remember the talk, and it was an empowerment series event. Um, the, the person was a little bit of advocating that actually platforms like Twitter and Facebook have made people think more of what they are going to put out there than what they would have in just like a regular conversation. And, uh, and I, my defense was, well, I think people don't think too much sometimes of what they put out there. Yeah. But I can see both sides, right? Like if you are more conscious and more aware of your own, you definitely are going to think a lot harder on what you put out there. But if you are not aware of your own, it seems that this would be a, a mechanism to just completely send mixed messages and mixed communication out there. Right. So are we socializing uh, on Facebook? Do you know what I mean? When you put something out there, is that socializing or are you fine crafting your message to show the world either how great your vacation was or yeah. how mad you are at the political situation? Somebody in the series today at lunch talked about how she doesn't like venting that she sees happening on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And second to that is kids, teenagers who have, or young adults who have Instagram accounts and Finsta, yep. fake Insta accounts. Oh, we had so, a whole episode of Finsta. Did you? So Instagram is where you put out to the world your perfectly fine-tuned comments. No, that's the Finsta, right? No. No. The big one where you have thousands of followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Opposite. So you have thousands of followers, so it's perfectly Mm fine-tuned, and your pictures are perfect, and they're through the filter. And then the Finsta is where you can say how you really feel and put up the, you know, having a crappy day post. Yeah. So they both serve in different ways, and I think it is a way of socializing. Yeah. I also think people have to be careful about what they see on Facebook because Facebook is sort of like the final performance and we live in the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. And we live in the dress rehearsal. Um, let's talk about something that I am extremely guilty of still, which is the narcissistic conversationalist. And uh, this is something of a double edge uh, sword for me. Um, I tend to try to relate to people. And that's part of like a, a way I connect sometimes with a lot of people. If you would talk to my girlfriend, she would say, um, Jordi, you have this ability of just like talk about your family with everybody and like get emotional with everybody. And I see that as a positive in my life, right? That also pushes me a lot of the times to try to empathize by trying to relate to some kind of memory and some kind of experience of my own. And then whoop, I just jump into the narcissistic conversationalist, which instead of being about them, it becomes about me. How can I cure that? So I don't think that every time you're relating to somebody, you're being a narcissistic conversationalist. Okay. I think that narcissistic conversationalism is when you steal the conversation and actually don't allow the person who was talking first 
to share what they wanted to share. So there's support response and there's shift response. So when we're talking to each other and we're having a regular conversation, I share a little bit about my family, you share about your family. We're getting to know each other and we're relating to each other. That's a shift response. I I mean, it's sorry, a support response. I'm supporting you, you're supporting me. The shift response is when you come to me and say, I had such a bad day and I was like, let me tell you about my day. Oh, I see. I've yeah. stolen it from you. You came to me because you wanted to share how terrible your day was. And I'm one-upping you because mine see. was worse. And I don't let you even talk. Yeah. That's narcissistic conversationalism. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, we, I hear about... Uh, there's always this conversation of like people that don't share their days, don't share their emotions. And you're like, oh my God, they're like so selfless. They always, they're trying to be kind to people. And by the way, that is 100% correct. I also feel they lack the communication uh, to to be able to open themselves and connect to other people. Because let's not forget about this. Having, in my perspective, having an effective communication in any area is about actually ultimately connecting to somebody else. Mm -hmm. If not, honestly, why would you communicate right but if you're just communicating without connecting it's kind of like there's something missing right. uh, am i like no, onto something there I, I think you're right there was somebody who shared today who said as an introvert she tends to be much more of a receiver that she's the person that people call to talk to and she doesn't often yeah. reciprocate not because she she said she likes that role and it's one she's fallen into but she does check her caller ID more often to make sure that she wants to actually talk to the person who's calling to just <laughs> complain to her yeah. and I think often in relationships there are or is one person who might be more of the talker and the other you know the giver versus the receiver yes not everything's going to be equal and it has to do with our personality type yeah so but I would agree if you have a very one-sided friendship and I've seen that with my kids yeah to say ask for what you need and it's okay to shift the conversation back to yourself sometimes I see right so oh, that's a great advice actually if you know you're on the giving side all the time like just yeah hey, just stop call, for a second yeah call and say listen I need some help today I know that usually you know you don't have to put the other person down but I'm calling because I need you today so can you take some time and give me what I need awesome um, well here's where we shift to a little bit of the end of the conversation today which honestly on communication we can spend a lot of time yeah. <laughs> um, which is uh, a lot of people are going to be listening to this maybe some of them will be in a situation where they feel frustrated in a communication uh, uh, method with somebody or they just don't feel heard etc etc what can they do tomorrow to improve their communication with whoever that person, that group is? So they can try my daughter's method, which is to tell the other person to shut up and just listen to them. They might not get received so well. I I, I did. I think I did. I heard her. Uh, I think it's a good way is sometimes we call somebody because we want to process. And if they start to offer us advice, we get frustrated and challenged by them offering advice. So to be able to say to somebody in the beginning of a conversation, I'm calling you because I need to process this with you. Can you just listen to me? And then at the end, if you have some advice, I'm happy to hear what you have to say. On the other hand, you can call and say, I'm looking for advice. I really don't know how to solve this problem that I have. So being upfront with what our needs are, that's true in so many parts of our life, but in communication, using that method. I also, going back to what you said before about did we really hear what the other person said? Yeah. I like to use the phrase, the story in my head is that you 
are feeling or doing or X, Y, or Z, rather than saying you did, rather than putting the other person on the defensive, the story in my oh, head, that's a great point. and I, I read a great article that really informed me on that. So yeah. I'm trying to use that language. Yeah. I think somebody uh, internally forwarded an article on team cook and it's like, they, I believe mm-hmm. right. Using I statements. I, instead yeah. Of you. Personalize it. Yeah. Telling everybody right. else. Right. Cause that goes back to what we talked about before. How can I really hear what you're saying to me? If it feels accusatory, you might not mean yeah. it accusatory, but I hear it that way because you started with the, you did this or you said that, or you, and that those are fights I can think about that went round and round with people <laughs> yes. in my life because that's not what I said. It is what you said. And that's what you heard. Yeah. So what I heard is this, just checking in with you. Is that yeah. what you meant or did you mean something else? Yeah. We were talking about the same exercise. I'm pretty sure we should have practice. Next time we're going to record an exercise and it's going to be half Spanish, half English. And let's see what happens. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Jody. It's uh, This has been great. I know that the group, I already heard a lot of feedback about it. So thank you so much for your time. And, I'm, and we will be putting her contact information in the notes for this podcast episode. So if anybody wants to reach directly to you, they can. Great. Follow her, I'm assuming, Instagram or Twitter or something like that that you have. We'll put the information in there. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. And until next time, this was the Empower Women's Podcast. Have a good day.